All right. Good morning, everybody. Let's stand up. God's writing a good story in your life and in my life today, so let's be on the lookout for what he wants to do today. Be awesome. Glad you're here. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing.
Father, it's great to come to your house and to celebrate the life we have in you. And um, thank you so much that you give us the opportunity uh, to be alive uh, on this rock and to have this day. Um, a lot of people aren't afforded um, next moments. And um, so many people go through tough times. And uh, Lord, life just goes quick. And uh, help us um, to be a grateful people. Uh, I pray that you find us being um, an extremely grateful people. I love the opening lyric of that first tune we sang, uh, that we've waited for this day and we've gathered in your name calling out to you. So that's what we do right now. Um, and Lord, in a way um, that uh, people have done for centuries before us and in, uh, in Matthew 6, uh, when the disciples asked how we should pray. And Lord Jesus, this is uh, what you said. and You taught us this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen oh god bless you friends uh, Lord's Prayer, so special. That's scripture. It's not just part of worship services for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's Matthew 6, the words of Jesus teaching us to pray and how to talk to God. It's beautiful. Lovely to hear that. And uh, I may have heard a few debts instead of trespasses, but uh, how, many tre how many debts out there? Trespasses? By far. All right. All right, we do this thing called the meet and greet. You can decide to, this can be your confession booth for the morning if you say debts or trespasses. Say hi to somebody around you. Thanks. Father's Day, everybody. You know, it's kind of a, uh, a running joke in the church world sometimes that Mother's Day, they get everything, and Father's Day gets a hey, happy Father's Day. But we got a video. So excited about that. So excited about that. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If you are visiting with us, we want to say a very special welcome to you on this Father's Day. And um, if you would like to, after the service, you can go to our Welcome Center um, and tell them, hey, I'm visiting with you today, and we have a special gift for you and to say thanks for being here. Well, we have loved over these past couple weeks having Pastor Mike Garner here with us, right? While Pastor Dan's on sabbatical. Yeah, Pastor Mike, he is actually a former pastor here at Hopevale, and so it's been really good to reconnect with him over these past couple weeks. He's going to be coming and, um, and continuing our series, Bear Fruit, in a little while, so we're really looking forward to that. Another thing we are looking forward to is in a couple of weeks, this room will be completely transformed. The chairs will be gone. We'll have round tables in here because we are going to be doing something called Summer FX um, in here. And it's going to be a week-long family experience to help families get together and know and follow Jesus in a better way. It's actually our Bible camp, but it's reimagined for families. And we're so excited about that. Um, and we're calling it Summer FX because it is a summer family experience. And so if you are a family and uh, you have kids who are in preschool, elementary age, and you have not signed up for Summer FX yet, you can register today. In fact, after this service, if you go out into the lobby, you can actually sign up and register your family right here. Or if you're like, nah, I'll do that from the comfort of my home, you can go to hopefield.org FX and register there. Well, we are going to continue our worship um, service this morning with our, our giving and our offerings. And I just want to say this, um, your generosity as a church is what allows us to do things like Summer FX. Um, and so I want you to know your giving matters. It matters practically in the lives of families coming up here. Um, we're going to be able to help them know and follow Jesus better because you were generous and you gave. And so your giving matters, and it is making a huge difference. So as the ushers come forward um, this morning to collect our offerings, let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for a moment like this where we can pause in the middle of a service just to say we love you. We can say thank you for um, your blessings and just for who you are as the great father today. And God, we, um, we just want to say today that um, all of this is for you. None of it's for us, and we want to glorify your name. And God, as we um, prepare our hearts to, to hear from um, what Pastor Mike has prepared, God, I pray that you would just um, give him the words to say and give us the ears 
um, to hear you and hear what you want us uh, to do with our lives because of what we heard. And so, God, as we give this morning also, may we give out of a generous heart, um, just giving back a portion of what you've already blessed us with. And, uh, God, may we live open-handed knowing that you're going to use it to bless other people, to help other people know you and follow you in an amazing way. And so we do all of this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.
Well, good morning, church. Good to see you. And those of you that are worshiping with us in Bay City, don't want to forget you. Love you. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us on this awesome Father's Day. I uh, want to recap real quickly. We've been in a, a series this, this month called Bear Fruit. Our first week, uh, we looked at John 13 and this example that Jesus gave us on how we might be uh, a loving disciple, somebody who uh, sacrificially serves, sacrificially loves another perso- person following the example of Jesus. He said, um, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And last week we looked at um, John 14, this, this picture of Jesus calling us to love him through obedience. And that he gave us this incredible gift in the Holy Spirit to help us accomplish that. So I don't know if this week, you know, I'd love to uh, sit down, you know, with every one of you and just say, how did you see the work of the Holy Spirit in your life empowering you to accomplish the will of Jesus who is practicing the will of his Father? I mean, that's, that was the goal. And so I pray that this week you were keenly aware of how weak you are, um, how sinful we are, but how gracious our Heavenly Father is by sending His Son Jesus, and Jesus by sending His Spirit to empower us to accomplish the very mission that He's called us on. Um, This week, I was really trying to pay attention to that in my life. Where were moments that I could obey? And I'll be honest, I was actually more aware of sin in my life this week. Um, As I tried to trust in the, the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, I saw more and more of my desperate need for Jesus to save me. Um, He saved me from the penalty of sin when I gave my life to him. That's justification. But now in this process of sanctification, I see in my life even more and more and more need for Jesus in my life. And I pray you see that too. We don't ever arrive as Christians. We don't ever get to a place where we're like, good enough. I feel like I'm good enough. Because you're never good enough, right? Um, we are sinners. And we struggle. This, this battle that we talked about in Romans 7 last week, this battle between the flesh, uh, between um, the spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today as we unpack John 15 and what it means to bear fruit. See, the truth is today, I, I pray that all of us um, will be able to do some evaluation. Um, today's fruit inspection You know, it's like today we need to take a hard look at our life. Jesus calls us to bear fruit. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that that fruit is. We're going to talk a little bit about Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. But some of you in here today, um, you're not bearing any fruit. And it could be one of two things. It could be that you don't know Jesus And you've never trusted him, and so you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit because he doesn't live in you. But there's another category of you in here today that you claim to know Christ, and you maybe have thought your whole life that you're a Christian, but there's no evidence of the fruit in your life. And this is both of those places are really scary places to be because there is eternal punishment for those of us who have never given our lives to Jesus and trusted him for salvation. And so this morning, I prayed over every section in this place, and I prayed that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts as we begin to evaluate, because some of you think you are a Christian, and you need to know that based on what Jesus lays out in the Scripture, you might find today, you're like, well, maybe I'm not. Now, I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation, but I am here to make sure you understand what it means to be saved, because I can't think of a worse thing for a pastor to do than to tell you, well, you know, I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I want you to know for sure that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And by doing that, we should be bearing fruit in our lives. And then the last category of us are those of us that do know Christ. And maybe um, we're going to have some moments today to just evaluate what's the fruit in my life. Do I see more of the fruit of the flesh in my life or do I see more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Because this is what Jesus has called us to. 
So I want to I wanna go back to what I led with um, in the first week. And I want to look at um, a passage in Ephesians. Um, so if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 1. And there's a prayer in here um, for us. And it's Ephesians 1, starting in verse 17. I want to read it. This is Paul's prayer for the church. And then I just want to pray it over us again this morning. Paul says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. I just stop for a second. We're going to see a couple of times Jesus referred to his Father next week as holy, as righteous. And here Paul says, glorious. That is our Father. And he loves you this morning. So Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. Let me just pray. Lord, I realize today that um, nothing of significance can be accomplished without the work of your Spirit. And so we surrender ourselves to you today. We submit ourselves to your Word. And, and I pray that that would be true of every person here, that as we come into this place and as we open up your Word, that we would truly say, Jesus, um, we, we want to serve you. We want to love you. And by doing that, we want to obey your commands. And we want to bear fruit. And so I pray that every person into this morning, that their eyes would be enlightened, that their hearts would be softened. Lord, give their minds the ability to comprehend what your word is trying to say. And I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit who is praying on our behalf, who is hearing our prayers, interceding for us. And so we thank you for that. And I thank you that your presence is here. Um, we don't invite you to be here. <laughs> You're here. Uh, whether we see it or not, I pray that today we would recognize your spirit, that we would receive the word that you want to say to us today as we unpack um, John 15 this morning. Thank you that you've promised that you will um, guide us into all truth, that you will help us to understand, and so we trust that, that you're doing that in our lives this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn to John 15. We're going to start um, by reading this passage, uh, John 15, it's a very familiar, for those of us that have grown up in the church, the whole imagery of the grapevine, the vine and the branches, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I hope we can unpack this in a way uh, that makes a difference in our lives as we follow Jesus. So John 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, Jesus is speaking, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. I want you to pay attention to the word fruit. I want you to pay attention to the word remain and just listen to these um, repeated phrases. Anytime you're reading scripture and you hear a word that's repeated over, pay attention to that. Jesus is trying to, to proclaim something here for us. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. And if you've got a Bible, underline that, all right? You can do nothing without me. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. The Father is glorified by you producing much fruit, listen, 
and prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. That sounds familiar. He just said this. Uh, you got to remember, this is all one night, all right? We've broken it up into three weeks. This is a conversation Jesus is having in context. And just, a, a, I don't know how long it took him to have this conversation with his disciples. But here he is saying again what we just read last week. Uh, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. He said that as he washed their feet, remember? This is the command I want you to do. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. This is awesome. Jesus says, you are my friends. You are my friends. Um, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Three kind of observations that we're going to unpack. The first one is this idea of remaining. Um, what does it mean for us to remain in Jesus? This concept of going far to near. It's a relational thing. When he's talking about uh, the, the grapevine, and he's like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, there's this relationship that's connected. It has to do with our closeness uh, to Jesus and this whole idea of remaining. We're going to look at what that means to go from far to near. The second thing is we're going to look at um, disciples. I think there's a couple of different um, definitions of disciples that Jesus is uh, working with here, the different types of branches. Um, and then the third thing, we're going to look at what does it mean to bear fruit. And we'll flip over to Galatians 5 um, at the end of this. So let's talk about the first one, far to near. Okay, I have to say this. How many Sesame Street fans are there in here? All right, anybody Sesame Okay, I love Sesame Street. I'm weird. I love puppets and all that stuff, all right? When I first read this and I was going through this, I could not get Grover's near and far like thing out of my mind. You know, near and he runs back and far. You know, I love that. Um, and so let Grover teach us this morning about near and far. All right, so when you think about being far from God, we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, when you look at the Old Testament and you see over and over God's um, pursuit of his people, namely in the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel, and we have all been grafted into that through Jesus. Um, but in the Old Testament... You see, in the very beginning in creation, you see God relating to Adam and Eve in a very intimate way. It says that he would walk with them. There was communion with them. They were close in relationship. But we know what happens. Genesis 3 comes along. Uh, Adam and Eve are deceived by the serpent. And sin enters. And, and what the Father had said to them, he's like, God's like, look, if you eat of this, this, the fruit of this tree, you're going to die. And obviously Satan's like, you're not going to die. You want to be like God. And in the end, they're like, well, it does look good to eat. And yeah, I actually do want to be God. And he's probably holding out on us, so I'm going to eat it. And in that moment, they did die. They didn't fall on the ground physically, right? But spiritually, something died in them. And there was a brokenness. This nearness that God had with his people was broken because of sin. And so now they find themselves far from God. And you see this all throughout the Old Testament. As God would uh, come in and intervene in the, the lives of his people, you would see him come in and his presence would come and then he would leave. 
We see as the Israelites came out of Egypt and they built a tabernacle in the desert and later the temple. I mean, it was very specific. God was very specific to say, listen, there are certain places that you can go and certain places you can't go because I'm holy and you cannot come near to me or you will die. And we know that the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the high priest once a year on the day of, um, of sanctification would come and Day of Atonement would come in and sprinkle the blood and just pray that God would receive that as a sacrifice. I mean, can you think of um, this day, this, this Day of Atonement where thousands and thousands of animals were sacrificed on behalf of people's sins? I mean, they couldn't get away from death. They couldn't get away from all the blood and all the things that God said, look, I want you to see that something has to happen when you sin because sin is, is awful. Sin separates you from me. And once a year, that high priest would go in, and then God would receive that offering once a year to cover. He wouldn't remove it, because they would have to do it over and over, this near and far picture of God's relationship with his people, his desire to be with them, but because of their sin, they were separated. They were distanced from him. And then we start the New Testament. We have the Gospels, and the Gospels tell us an awesome thing. Actually, um, foreshadowed in Isaiah 714. When, when we get this glimpse of a coming Savior who's going to be born of a virgin. And you remember in Isaiah 7 it says, and they will call his name what? You remember? It starts with an I. Ends with Manuel. <laughs> Emmanuel. Isaiah's saying, look, this is who's coming, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And Jesus was born. And he lived among us. He humbled himself and took on flesh. He took on a body like ours, probably better than my body, but he took on a body. And he lived a perfect life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was sinless. He obeyed his Father at every turn. Even to death on a cross, we see in Philippians. Jesus was God coming near to us. And he made it possible for us to draw near to him. It's an incredible, it's an incredible piece of information that we need to know. That I can't in my own self come near to God. But because of Jesus coming near to us, making a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. It's an incredible gift. We saw that when we read last week in Ephesians 2, that you were far away, but now you've been brought near. You were an object of wrath, but now you're a child of God. You were his enemy. And as Jesus has said, now because of what I've done for you, you are my friend. It is just overwhelming when you think of it. What God has done and what God has made possible for us. And here early in John 15, he talks about that you are already clean. We saw that back when, when he was wanting to wash Peter's feet. And he's like, no, just give me a whole bath. And he's like, no, you're already clean. But there's this process that I need to do in your life as a Christian that my father is going to come and prune you. You know, for a plant, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody like that's a really good gardener and, and, and they have this really bushy plant and then they prune it and you're like, oh my goodness, you're going to kill that thing. There's like four little branches left, you know, you're like, that was pretty severe. Well, you know, that's what God does in our lives. He comes in and he prunes us and it, 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 it can be painful at times. And for those that don't know him, he punishes. I mean, there's, there's an element of those that think they're disciples that aren't, and he punishes those. And so we want to see this, this picture of God coming near to us and then into this next thing of what we need to understand about who he is. There's several like staggering truths as I read this. And if you've got something to write down, I would write these down. I, these are things that we come right out of this text. John 15, 5 says that we can do nothing apart from Jesus. How much is nothing? It's nothing, right? You, you can't do anything apart from Jesus. Now, there are a lot of good people, okay? 
We get sometimes mixed up when we're like, well, you know, this person's really good and they're doing all these great things in our community and whatever stuff. I'm telling you, God doesn't measure it like that. He measures it based on his glory. And our job is to bring glory to the Father. And we cannot bring glory to the Father at all without Jesus. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. John 15, 9. This is overwhelming. Jesus loves us like the Father loves him. Do you, you know that? My tear. Jesus loves us like the Father loves him. We, we don't know that kind of love. There's nobody that can give that kind of love. If you're looking for love, you will never find that unless you find it in Jesus alone. And then he says in verse 15, at the end he says that we're his friends. And then he wanted to make sure that we knew in verse 16, he's like, look, I want you to understand you did not choose me. It wasn't somehow in my mind I was weighing all the options, heaven, hell, uh, Jesus, Satan, uh, well, this one's pretty good, I'm going to go that way. It doesn't happen that way. The, God in his love for you came and he opened your mind. He gave you the ability to even understand that you were in sin. And Jesus said, I have chosen you. You did not choose me. I want you to understand, I'm in total control here, and I want you to know how much I love you. What an awesome set of truths that we need to know. The second thing as we walk through this, not only um, has God taken us from far to near, he's looking at us and he's like, I want you to understand there's a couple of different kind of disciples here. You know, we see some troubling verses um, in verse 2 and in verse 6 where he's like, my father comes and prunes and he throws into the fire. The hard thing about this analogy is if you take it too far, it can get kind of wonky, all right? What Jesus is saying here is that there are disciples that bear fruit and there are disciples who do not bear fruit. And so those that do not bear fruit receive the punishment of the Father, all right? Now, I, there are a lot of different theological interpretations of this passage. I do not believe it means you lose your salvation, all right? I don't believe it means that. I do believe that um, people that consistently don't bear fruit in their life, I don't believe they're believers. I think they might think they are, but I don't think they've truly been saved. If you're not bearing fruit, you got to look at the kind of tree you are. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I think there are some, I do believe that there is a, um, a group, kind of a caveat for me, that there's a group of Christians that are carnal, all right? And I do believe that exists. And so I think there can be seasons as a Christian that you might stray from the Lord and you might just be living completely in sin and God can, can redeem that and save you from your sin and, and pull you back to him. And so I do think there are seasons where that could be true of a Christian where you're not bearing fruit. But either way, whether you're a Christian not bearing fruit or you're a person who thinks you're a Christian not bearing fruit, both are bad, all right? So the, the issue is if you're not bearing fruit, there's something that you've got to address. We see this even with the disciples. I mean, there were 12 disciples, right? Judas was called a disciple. Why? He followed Jesus. But was he a true disciple? No. And I think Jesus is referring to this. There's, you know, there are people that think they're following God. There are people that think they're disciples, but they're not. They have a different agenda. And I want you guys to know a true disciple is going to bear fruit. And we see this, this, this progression. So the third part of this, this text is, what does it mean for us to bear fruit? I mean, 11 different times Jesus says, remain in me. Eight different times he says, bear fruit. So there's a correlation between us relating to Jesus, uh, remaining in him, and actually bearing fruit. And I see this progression. Today's title was the maturing disciple. And so for those of us that knew Christ, Jesus clearly points out here kind of a, a trajectory of bearing fruit. In verse 2, he says there's some that, that don't bear any fruit. And then he says there's some that bear some fruit. 
And then he says in verse 2, those that produce some fruit, my father prunes so that they'll produce more fruit. And then later in verses 5 and verses 8, he says, you glorify, the, you glorify the Father by producing much fruit. And then at the very end in verse 16, he says, I have appointed you to bear fruit and to bear fruit that lasts, abiding fruit. So this progression in our lives is no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit, abiding fruit. So where are you? If you look at your life, can you see that progression at all in your life? Have you been able to even identify, you know, what, what fruit, what type of obedience am I showing the Father in my life? Am I producing something? Take your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5. We're going to end with this passage. This is a passage I come to regularly in my own life. And I want you to imagine, I mean, we've been in the uh, grapevine analogy. Let's switch analogies. Let's move to just fruit trees, okay? Let's say we've got two trees, and it's winter. And if you don't know trees very well by their bark, uh, you may not know what kind of tree it is, all right? And so this tree on the right um, could be saying, hey, I'm an apple tree, I'm an apple tree. And the one on the left says, uh, you know, no, I'm an apple tree, you're an orange tree. And he's like, no, 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 I'm an apple tree, I'm an apple tree. And then comes spring, little round fruits begin to develop. And the one on the right says, I'm an apple tree. And the one on the left says, apples aren't orange. You're an orange tree. And I can tell you're an orange tree by the fruit that you bear. So I want you to think about these two trees. If you really like oranges, I'm sorry, that was the bad guy. So. But let's look at this. The two types of trees. The, the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. This is Paul uh, speaking to the church in Galatia, starting in verse 16 of chapter 5. He says this, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. Romans 7, okay? This is a version of what we just read uh, last week, or two weeks ago. He says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. See, uh, those that were in that time, they were thinking about the law, trying to obey the law, and do everything that the law condemned them of. And and here Paul's saying, look, if you are led by the Spirit, if you are filled with the Spirit, if you are a, a true disciple, you're no longer under the law because Jesus fulfilled that. But if you live in the, the flesh, this is what happens. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are obvious, or the fruits of the flesh. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. You know, when you start that list, you're like, okay, yeah, that's not me. No, that's not me. That's like, oh, wait, anger? Come on. That's not the same as witchcraft, right? But here he's like, listen, I want you to understand this is the fruit of the flesh and many more. This isn't a a, a full, entitled, you know, detailed list. He says this, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul says, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. He understands here, and he's trying to help us understand that the only way you can produce fruit is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But by being a disciple, you have crucified your flesh. And so it's, it's, it's easy. 
It's easy for you to do a fruit inspection and to look at your job and go, okay, what's on my tree? Am I seeing more fruit of the flesh in my life? Or am I seeing more fruit of the Spirit in my life? That's what I'm praying for you today. That you will take time to actually do that. Assess your spiritual life. Measure what is true of me. Is it my flesh or is it my spirit? What fruit am I bearing? And you know what? If we will do that, there's some, there are some results that happen when we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit and we remain in Jesus and we do what He's called us to do. There's a couple of things. If we will remain in Jesus, we will be keeping Jesus' commands particularly the one that he stated again today, love one another as I have loved you. The second thing is this. He says that if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And again, this is just like Jesus did. We will love one another like Jesus did. We will bear much fruit just like Jesus did. He says that if you will remain in me, you will bring glory to the Father just like Jesus did. Says we will prove that we are disciples of Jesus. That this is not how you, you don't do works to become a disciple, but out of your love for him and out of a changed life, it will prove that you are. You get that? So these actions aren't, boy, I gotta do better so that Jesus will love me more. No, remember? Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. He can never love you any more than he does right now. But by our actions, by the fruit that we bear, we prove that we are disciples of Jesus. Just like Jesus proved to his Father that he loved him and obeyed him. And then the last one is this. And Jesus said it two different times in verses 7 and verse 16 of chapter 15. He said that as we remain in him, it says that when we pray with prayer and confidence, we can know that the Father hears us and will answer us. Now there's people that take that all out of context and say, well, pray whatever you want. No, Jesus says, pray the will of the Father. If you will remain in me, then you're going to be praying what I want you to pray. And when you pray that way, you can be sure that the Father hears you and he will answer you. So this is hard, all right? This is kind of a bummer talk for some of you because it's like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm just in just a few minutes, I'm starting to look at my life and some of the fruit of the flesh is, I think, that's the most fruit on my tree. And so my challenge to you is, is simple. If, if you see no fruit, you need to really go back and consider your relationship with Jesus. Is it genuine or not? You need to trust him. You need to confess your sin to him and trust him for forgiveness and begin to live your life in obedience to his call. A disciple is someone who surrenders all of their life in an increasing fashion to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? So if you haven't done that, I challenge you to do that. If you, you feel like you've done that and you're thinking, well, maybe I didn't, well, then settle it. Give your life to Jesus. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise your hand. Right where you are, the Holy Spirit is calling you. He's calling you to himself. He's opening your mind so that you can understand. Repent of your sins. Give your life to Jesus right where you are. Be great to let somebody that, that's on staff here know that because there's a lot of ways uh, we could help you grow. But give your life to Christ. And for those of us that, that know Jesus and we would say, look, man, man, every day I feel like there's fruit of the Spirit and fruit of the flesh. Jesus is saying, die to your flesh and surrender to me with your life. So let's do that. Let me pray for you. As you just take a few minutes, just between you and Jesus, I just want you to deal with whatever he's dealing with in you from a surrender standpoint, from an obedience standpoint. If you don't know how to pray, you can just, in your own words, just, Lord, just forgive me.
And whether you're a disciple or you're not a disciple, this prayer of repentance is important for us. To again, just submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be empowered by the Spirit. Lord, forgive us. We trust You. We thank You for the gift of salvation. We know we're sinners. We know that we fail over and over again, but we are so thankful for Your grace that You chose us that you've sent us the Spirit, that you love us the way that the Father loves you. Lord, remind us of your goodness. Remind us of your forgiveness. And may we today, as we leave here, as we do the hard work of inspecting our lives, may we turn to you and trust you and be empowered by your Spirit to bear the fruit of the Spirit. May this week we grow in just those nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. May we bear the fruit of your Spirit, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that we can run to you and in repentance and that your arms are wide open and you receive us with grace and mercy. Thank you for that. Lord, we love you. As we close with this song, may this just be a prayer of our heart as we trust you, as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Mike. Hey, when you guys were little, do you ever have anybody to shake your hand and uh, wiggle your knuckles together? kind of hurts a little bit. Um, sometimes I feel like the scriptures do that in my life. Like uh, today, this whole idea of bearing fruit and um, remaining in him, I'm like, ah, I need to do so much better at that. Like I feel like that's that little handshake, like wiggling your knuckles, like, okay, you got my attention. All right, all right. Uh, but also the scripture is a hand that reaches out and gently, gently lifts you up if you're, if you're falling down. So in whatever way the scripture needed to speak to you today, whether it was a little of this or a little of this, I hope that really happened in a powerful way today for you, to, for you to know that um, there's some things that maybe you can do on your part that will help you remain in him some more. I love this lesson today. What a great lesson for us to hear. So the song that we're going to sing helps us remain in him so, um, and to kind of declare that we need him and that it's all about him. So let's stand and do, and do that. Let's remain in him.
Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing. backdrop of Jesus saying, as the Father has loved me, I love you. I want to read again Ephesians. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of His strength. As you guys leave this week, I pray that you would know the love of the Father through Jesus. And that you would bear fruit not to be a disciple, but to prove you're a disciple and love Jesus by your obedience this week. Do the hard work. This is kind of a toe step, and it is for me too. And I'm sure it was for the disciples when Jesus said it. But he's like, I have called you, I have appointed you to bear fruit and to bear fruit that lasts. So as we leave today, I pray that that burns in your soul this week. And you long to live obedient to Jesus and bear fruit empowered by the Spirit. And I pray you come back next week having experienced Him in a whole new way. Because He is in love with you so much. May we live this week proving to be His disciples, maturing in our faith. Love you guys. Obey His Word this week. And bear fruit. I'll see you next week.